show, and if you're reading it right, it does say I'm not famous. But luckily, I have lots of also very unfamous friends, but that's all right. We've still got some great stories and can talk about all the same topics as all the celebrities do. And I've got a very unfamous, famous person online right now, one of my good friends, Adam, straight from London, England. How is it in London, Adam? Yeah, it's good. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't, uh... I haven't been there for a long time, but uh, always good to go back. You could you couldn't <laughs> even keep that gag going for five seconds. All right. I couldn't. I really right. couldn't. I could go like um yeah. I could see Big Ben and oh, I'm just walking across um London Bridge right now and oh wow uh, oh the Queen's just popped around the corner and right. I'm just going to say hi to right, so, Richard. So we're in the same city. I get it, but they don't. <laughs> based on my accent and yours, they don't know what city. And let's leave it at that. That's more mysterious. It could be anywhere in the U.S., anywhere in England, based on yeah. both of our accents. Yeah. So who knows? It could be. We could be. We could. We could well be. We so could what, well be in America right now. We could well be in uh, England right now. If we're not. But we we could be in either one. What's the regular saying? Because you know, obviously Australia. A lot of its influence, you know, comes from the English in the whole, you know, how you going, mate? Look, mate is also an English thing, right? But what's yeah. what's the regular greeting? And I don't mean the cliche one that you see in Hollywood movies like, hello, hello, old Kodja. How are you today? Like, what what's the normal, how you going? How you going, buddy? What do they uh, say? Yeah, it, it's super simple. It's um, all right. All right. And then you say all right back to me. And then they'll go, and how are you? <laughs> and they'll go yeah not too bad I've had a good day and blah blah blah, blah. but it's it's alright you, you would say alright 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 oh you alright yeah alright oh yeah now that one you, and then you start with your conversation yeah yeah like you you're whereas, right yeah whereas here it's like yeah good day mate how's it going yeah like yeah I'm fine if I go alright to someone here in Australia right they'll go yeah I'm fine <laughs> <laughs> no one gets it at all. It really is a very like unique uh, English thing. It's, yeah, you're right, mate. Yeah, I'm all right. And then turn on the conversation. Well, see, see, now I got I've been pulled up recently, and and it's hard to believe as long as I've been here. But I guess it's just my American rudeness. A lot of times, so you know, the regular Aussie workmate or friend will say, you know, how you going? And I just say, yeah, I'm all right. And then I just move on. I forget. I, I forget the um, the uh, process continues, and the polite thing is to say, you know, I'm I'm all right. And how are you, good sir? How you going? I forget that part. And a lot of them give me a look like, oh, so you don't want to know how I am? Not really. <laughs> yeah, I'm doing fine. It, 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 yeah, definitely. Yeah, no, I definitely know what you mean. It's um, sometimes the the way that the Aussies will. Uh, well, interact with you it's like uh, it's just a one way thing <laughs> how, how are you going yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm fine I'm but you fine. wouldn't instantly like twig that you have to go I'm alright how are you yeah, um, yeah I guess a polite person would I, I must just be a prick uh, <laughs> I must just be selfish <laughs> and think yeah I'm doing alright thanks for asking and I'll continue to do alright as I walk away from you yeah, yeah. That, that's not good that's not good oh wow um, how are when you when I do go back to England I go I do say to a friend hi how, like hey how are you going 
which because you know I've lived out here for so long, that's just my natural response now to to say to people. Mm. And again, I get the look over there. It was like, what do you mean? Sort of saying like, all right, or how are you? Like, how are you? Like, how are you today? Or anything like that. It's yeah. Over here, it's like so much more. um, it's so much more relaxed here, isn't it? Really, I yeah. mean, people are just so much so low key. No, for sure. And, um, my my favourite, uh, and the, and they're definitely the you know like the the tall poppy syndrome is here as well. Yeah. No one wants to stand out from the crowd. No one wants to look like that. You know, they're they're bigger or better. Everyone wants to kind of look like like they're the same. Yeah, they they cut them down, don't they? When when someone starts yeah. getting really up themselves. They put them in their place pretty quick in this society. Definitely. Yeah. So yeah, definitely. And I was thinking as well about this the other day. It's like um, everyone says about Americans that they're very positive and optimistic people, which I, I mean, I, you're the only one who I really know, so I'd say that's very true. Um, <laughs> but um, I'm optimistic. And then like, okay. and like here, right? It's like, you know, it's like the give it a go mentality. You know, give it a go, try yeah. it. Yeah. You know, but in England, it's it's the complete opposite. It's like, why would you even bother? <laughs> like, why would you even try? And then when you actually try and you do it quite well, everyone is just astounded that you could do it. <laughs> um, so I, like, at the moment, right, I've just started playing football. Yeah. I injured my back a year ago, so it was a goal of mine to come back. So if I started playing football again in England, everyone would have told me, don't even bother trying. <laughs> You're not going to do it. You're going to fail. It's not going to happen. No, put it to rest. Um, But I've been doing it and everything. And then now I've been doing it. I know that your reaction would be back in England. It would be like, wow, you were able to do that. You were able to play football. You were able to kick a ball. Like no one would would believe it. You know, it's like, I don't know what it is with us. I've been trying to think about it a lot as well this week. I'm like, why is that? Why are like these three countries like so, like so completely different with their attitudes? This is people. Oh, that's funny. You no, know, I, I, I really don't know why. Like, I, you know, I. Well, I'm, I would love to know the answer. Really, it's so interesting. I'm glad that you know both of us are, have come over from different countries, and now we're a bit of mix of mix of both. And it's good to yeah. evolve like that. I'm picturing though. I'm picturing the about a boy movie, and I'm picturing you like that. A bit, a bit sad. I got, I got cool new, tra- <laughs> I got cool new trainers, but these boys stole them, and now I'm wet in my socks. I hate life. It wasn't that bad, was it? <laughs> Is, am I, am I polarizing it too much? Or I'm picturing a lot of sadness. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah. It's- <laughs> It is a bit like that, really. It's oh, a bit God. like... Um, it's all the rain. It's because it's always raining and cloudy there. Oh, wait, so is Melbourne. It's always raining, yeah. So is yeah, Melbourne. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and I just think it's mentality as well. It's um, oh. completely different mentality. And um, well, That's funny. And also, like, I was thinking maybe it's also due to maybe to the, the, like, the class system as well. Because you've got... Here, we don't really have that here in Australia. No, I don't think they do in America, but in, Australia, in England, in England there is at yeah. least. 
Is that still you know, is that like still a lower prevalent? Class, like a middle class, and there's a high class, and yeah. then there's you know the upper high class, and then there's like royalty. And that's still you know, prevalent like, today. It's still really separating the classes. I mean, I always knew that about England. It was very very prominent. You could tell where people lived, and by their accent, which you know is a big one, you could immediately tell by someone's accent. And Americans don't pick that up, but I love accents. And you know, there's like the Michael Caine bit of a different kind of accent. You can tell where they're from, right? You know, I'm I'm yeah. Michael Caine, and I'm where I'm is Michael he from? Caine, yeah. yeah. Don't do it. All right? Don't do it. Don't do it. I can't. I can't lose <laughs> another Batman. I've buried too many Batmans. Can't lose another Batman. Another yeah. Batman. And what about? So what's the difference between? So Michael. So he's from a different part than say you know uh someone very with a, a posh accent you know would you be able to identify oh, him still you, to this day oh, like hugh grant yeah like a hugh grant accent yeah. yes I, i'm I'm, yeah. I'm very i'm always I'm, I'm very i'm always pausing and i'm very what's that where's he from well that's really interesting you said that because like michael kane has got what would be considered a very typical um cockney accent so cockney is from like the east london yeah. From like the East London part. Yeah. And then Hugh Grant is also from London, but he's from like the West part. So just by telling from those two different accents, you can already tell, right? Or at least I can tell. Yeah. That like yeah. the East London is uh, like the poorer part of town, whereas the West side is the much richer side of town. And so you can tell that even just between those two accents, that the one will be from like a much more, you know, upper class. Yeah. yeah. Um, Get, get on the, get on from the... like a lower class upbringing. <laughs> um, I mean, like where I'm from, you know, it's like you know, it's like we went and bought an English accent from the shop. You know, we've all got exactly the same accent. It's the one that, like, you know, everyone has the the typical everyday um, accent. Um, yeah, get get on the good foot, do the bad thing. My dad's a lorry. <laughs> He drives. He drives a truck. He's a lorry. I don't know. It's terrible. You don't like it when I do accents, but I love accents. Yeah, um, yeah, no, I do. Yeah, your your English accent is getting there. Good, Definitely good. getting there. Yeah. But it's, when it's... you first did it to me, I didn't even. I did not notice the difference between your speaking voice and the English accent oh voice. It sounded exactly the same. That's me. It wasn't until like a mutual friend of ours said, "You know, he's doing an English accent," and I went. I've absolutely no idea. <laughs> I've got no clue. Did, did not did not oh, register at all. That doesn't make me feel good. So so speaking of speaking of like, you know, tall poppy syndrome and just that whole idea of being famous. God knows everyone has their fifteen minutes of fame today, except it's more like five minutes. Do you think mm. it's different being famous today, considering everyone next to you on the train and every kid at home unboxing toys? They're all, they've all got some YouTube channel with a million hits, and there's this pressure to be famous immediately. Do you think that's out of control compared to how it used to be, like just Hollywood fame? Now everyone's famous. Yeah, I mean, I have to admit that um, I do not get this phenomenon of um, kids opening boxes on YouTube and there's like 10 million people watching it. I don't get that at all. <clears throat> It's like Christmas. I don't get. I don't. I, I don't get the appeal of that. You know, just you know, kid opening opening up a box of Lego, and you know, you already know it's a box of Lego. I mean, how much? How can it, exciting can that be to open but and to watch someone opening it? It's I don't, his reaction. I just don't get it. It's their reaction. It's seeing them uh -huh. react 
And if they're if they've got a personality where they're a bit funny or wacky or it doesn't take much these days to be a little bit of an oddball. And so, look, it's like the ultimate voyeurism talking about anything like Big Brother or the real world or all the reality shows that have been around since the 90s. Now that's all we really do is watch other people do things. It's it's like it, look, this is creepy, but it's it's staring at your neighbor through the window, except if it's on TV, it's okay. That's about it. You're just staring at yeah. your neighbor doing yeah. shit in his house. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I really don't get it at all. I, I don't get the appeal. Um, but, I mean, to go back to your original question um, about celebrities being different now to how they were before, I mean, this decade, well, it happened at, at, you know, towards the, the end, of the two know, thousands, yeah. with Facebook and uh, Twitter coming along, but really ever since the introduction of Instagram, which um, you know in this decade, you know the celebrity thing has just um, you know completely um, transformed. Um, I believe it was Kevin Hart or someone like that. I think it was Kevin Hart who said that he went up for a role. Um, and before they even, you know, offered him a role or anything, they needed to know how many um, followers he had on Twitter to see, um, you know, if he was marketable or not. Jesus. And this is Kevin Hart. I mean, he, you know, you know, one of the most famous people in the world. Yeah. But he he had to go through that. You know, he had to have a certain amount of um, followers on Twitter, and I guess now it's like on Instagram. Um, or on Facebook, maybe not so much Facebook anymore, but like definitely like Twitter and Instagram. You know, no. you're, you're, you know, it's, yeah. um, it's a hard grafting life, I think, being an actor, because you have to be continuously marketing yourself and selling yourself every single time. So even though we, um, you know, and then like, Mark, and like Instagram Mark, and uh, Twitter and uh, all the other social media, things uh, YouTube as well now they're all marketing tools um, and if you're good at them then yeah you can become successful you know straight away like you were saying about the the kids and just you know if they've got a little bit of personality they can just immediately just light up on the screen well it's funny with with actors and actresses obviously the younger ones are already into it but say the Gen Xer ones maybe they're in their 40s or 50s now some of them have adapted to it and they're into it. I feel a lot of them, they just hire someone to be their Twitter person and Instagram person. I love the ones who aren't quite, they still don't quite get it and they're the most fun to follow. Like Steve and I, uh, Steve and, and I always make fun of uh, like Leif Schreiber. Um, he's, oh, really? he's just like the old dad type. He's hilarious and he's, he's so meaning. <laughs> he'll go on, on the Twitter and he'll just like shoot a picture of him outside next to a dumpster. I'm, I'm shooting a new film. Here's the kids. He just has no concept of like the Twitter look or the Instagram look. He just takes the weirdest pictures and he always looks, he just looks very out of place. God love him. Cause he's, you know, he's, he's still getting used to the Twitter and the Instagram. What's all this? What's this Twitter thing? But you know, he's trying, but yeah, not all celebrities are, are fully plugged into it, which is funny, but they're instantly famous because of their name, but they, they didn't start there. <laughs> they just, they just know that's where it is now. Yeah, that's it. Whereas, you know, these new kids who are coming in now, um, you know, they need it. They need all of that stuff. They need to have an account for everything and they need somebody, somebody who can 
um, market them um, in the right way. Um, do you think it's bad if, like, like a lot of parents, it's a bit exploitive? If do you think it's the kids that just start doing something funny and mom and dad say, "Hey, that'd be fun. Let's record this." And oh, it'd be funny. Let's put it up on Facebook. And a couple people say, "Hey, that's neat," and it goes from there. Or do you think there's parents who go, "Let's market our child and turn him into a famous child unboxing kid." Do you think there's well, parents that make I'm, make that now? Well, I mean, definitely. I mean, they have, I mean, those parents are out there somewhere. You know, they they missed their big chance, and you know, they've got kids and they've got a chance of you know reclaiming what they always wanted themselves vicariously through their children. I mean, that's been around since you know time immoral. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, but I mean, you know, they. If that's what happens, that's what happens. I mean, uh, yeah, yeah, you do have to worry really about about that, really. Well, that's but, it. These kids become And I was thinking of this as well. Like, like I do not know how teenagers cope these days. When I was a kid, when I was a teenager going to school, you know, you do something stupid in school, and everyone laughs about it, and then the next day, everyone's forgotten about it. And you just carry on with your life. But now teenagers can't do that. Um, you That's know, true. if you do something silly, say something silly, and um, something embarrassing happens to you in school, it's, it's instantly recorded and it's instantly uploaded onto forever. a social media platform and it's yep. there forever. You know, and how do these kids cope with it? I, I really don't know. Well, uh, you know, well, I have a tremendous amount of sympathy for them. That segues into my next thing is so. You know, fame's always been around. People being a bit eccentric or someone being noticed, that's just human nature. But now you can show that that thing you did exponentially to millions of people and now it's just, it's so big, it gets it gets out of control. Do you think younger people are now a bit disconnected because they're so in that world, either watching other people or trying to be those people and be as cool as them and they're disconnected in no normal life. I think so, because they're always on their phone. I see seven-year-olds walking around glued to the phone. Is that a bit scary? Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. I mean, my generation, you know, the, you know I'm, I'm, I guess I'm considered a millennial. You know, when I was a teenager, you know, the internet was a brand new thing, and it opened up to, you know, the entire world. So, you know, you would be stuck on a computer all day. Well, now the the younger millennials and the Gen Z, I guess that's what we're calling it, that generation coming through now, all well, the the computer that the desktop that we that I was stuck on um, has now morphed into a phone. Yeah, so you are completely stuck on a phone now. Um, it's kind of it, it is sad, really, that it's happened because you do lose. Um, the the human like the do, human connection the, the human connection yeah you, yeah you do lose that yeah and we are social animals so we do need to be social all the time but now this social part has just you know, it's on a computer it's not face to face anymore so do we do we blame Steve Jobs or Mark Zuckerberg for that or we were all headed there anyway someone was going to take us there one way or the other it didn't matter who well, well that's right exactly yeah exactly 
you know, uh, well, Tim Berners-Lee, we could also blame him as well. <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't invent the World Wide Web. Yes, um, yes. But um, social yeah. media was always going to happen. If it wasn't going to be Steve Jobs, it was going to be someone else. If it wasn't going to be Mark Zuckerberg, it was going to be somebody else. You know, it's just one of those um, uh, uh, sort of inevitability of, you know, the next step of us as, as a society yeah. would go from social beings in, you know, a work environment, in, um, you know, in, in any other environment, in that environment, moving on to a digital platform. Did you hear about? Did you hear about in um, Japan? It's quite interesting. You know, they've obviously got an amazing history in that. Not that long ago, you know, they were very downtrodden and beaten down to the ground, and then built themselves back up. And in the eighties and nineties, just when you say Japan, you thought technology moving forward, everything comes out of, of there. And now that's obviously obviously shifted a bit to to other places to China, but Japan mm-hmm. apparently has a bit of a problem in that all the young people are staying indoors and they're not going out and socializing and meeting people. And apparently they have uh, the opposite of China, which is a bit of a population drop. And they're worried because basically no one is is meeting and and hooking up and making families and babies. They're all in their apartments. They're all playing games. They're all chatting to each other in the virtual world, but nobody's going outside and engaging. That's happening for real, and that's yeah. scary. Doesn't um, for them. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that um, uh, Japan has a has a much more higher, like older generation population than a younger generation, and it's for that reason. There's a lot more. Um, I think a lot more asexuals as well in Japan for that reason whereas you know they've just sort of disconnected from um, society yeah, yeah, yeah you know and then just all of the pressure they get on their families about you know finding the right girl or finding the right man and success um, yep. and being successful yeah and and I you know and just from what I hear I mean I've never been to Japan but from what I hear it's um their working hours as well are very long working hours and then they have they don't really have that many that many break yeah. and then they work all the time so they don't really have time to even socialize anyway no they do they work them to death working. that's true they work them to death and that's considered i mean that's expected it's not even asked it's expected <laughs> you work yeah. until you're finished so how, yeah so how are these young people mentally true finding someone if they're constantly working and then they get home they're absolutely exhausted and then their parents are pushing them to, you know, find someone. That's I'm true. I'm not surprised that they've disconnected and they've gone to, you know, they to look at like anime and manga and you know all these other things, mm. and just staying on their phones all the time or computers. I'm not surprised. I mean, they, um, yeah. I mean, you know, it's yeah, you know, it's very sad. Well, I also think, right, the the. The lowest, um, lowest like what was it birth rate in Europe is Italy. Really, and the reason, and I think the reason why is because the women there have said we don't want children. 
Mm. And so it's a different you know, mentality there. Whereas you know the women have finally said, "I don't, we don't want it." You know, and the birth rate there is very low. I mean, you'd have to do some research out there, but I, I believe that's true. Um, well, you know, every every place is different in in how they evolve and their and their beliefs. But I think, in some ways, I don't know. We're all we're all lining up in some ways because we're all connected by this technology. It affects everyone now. It's not just like a privileged few. Everyone, in some ways, connected. I mean, even in poorer countries, there is, you know, technology that's that's reaching them, and not always in a good way. Hopefully, in a good way, but. Um, talking about this whole sort of disconnected and becoming a bit antisocial and not knowing, you know, being awkward around, around people because you're so used to that virtual world. Uh, I want to talk about, I have to talk about Joker with you, the movie, because <laughs> that's obviously sparking a lot of, you know, people are saying, oh, this is, you know, influencing an antisocial behavior and it's a, it's a, it's a terrible commentary. Like people are going to start acting like a homicidal maniac. Well, that's that's something else entirely. But just talking about the movie um, in general, I know you had a different view that maybe wasn't a hundred percent sold on it. How did you feel about <laughs> Joker? Yeah, yeah. So um, my view was a complete like polar opposite to what everybody else. Um, believed and saw um, and it's quite unusual for me really because I'm normally very um, in sync with the audience so when it, you know I, I try and watch a film a day so that's pretty I watch good. a lot, that's a very, lot of films that's very Tom Cruise of you that's very Tom Cruise yeah well I try but we're you <laughs> know sometimes I, sometimes you try and sometimes it's not very successful and then there. Uh, there's always something new on Netflix to watch, but um, I do try. I do try to watch something a day. But yeah, I have to say that um, with Joker, um, I um, yeah, I didn't really, uh, I didn't really enjoy it that much. I got about I what you know I I find those types of films very difficult to to love. Uh, because it was so bleak and so cynical and I just you know I'm not taking anything away from Joaquin Phoenix because he gave an absolutely amazing performance and um, you know I wouldn't be surprised if he gets any kind of like you know award nominations um, coming his way when the, when the award season begins um, yeah. but yeah no I just found it very cynical the whole thing very cynical and I just didn't think there was enough um, conflict in the film. You know, there is um, uh, there's a you know there's a part there's a parts in the film right where he um, you know it's it's like the same person in the beginning of the film. It's exactly the same person at the end of the film. And the only thing that's really changed is the, is the things around him. Um, so, changed. So, so yeah, so you don't, I, you don't think there was enough to push him over the edge that you felt? No, no, absolutely not. I did. I just really didn't think there was. Um, and he, you know, he, you know, apparently, you know, he's meant to go from Arthur Fleck to um, Joker. Well, really, I mean, he was always he's always Joker for me. I didn't really see him evolve at all. Um, 
And I, yeah, just getting a bit annoyed with these um, uh, tropes that they use and tricks in um, in films to convey that someone's you know pure evil by um, you know they have to have a mental illness and they have to be looking after their sick mother. And I just, I'm just a bit fed up with have with that thing every time associating that someone has to be you know a killer because. They either have to have a mental illness or they have to look after someone who, you know, <laughs> it is. It just annoys me that that's, that's the that's what they always have to use. Yeah. So the the you creepy know, guy and, taking care of mom as if yeah, I don't know that's a is yeah, too cliche. I don't know if that's a wink to Psycho, and you know, I know it's a wink. to Probably, that. I wouldn't doubt it. You that's know. certainly a nod to you know Psycho staying at home with mommy while um he goes and creeps a girl out in the shower. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And I just, yeah, I just thought like it sort of demonized mental illness as well. That you know, if you've got mental illness, you're going to be a serial killer, um, as um, by the laws of this film. <laughs> so I just, so it just, yeah, it really didn't rub, it rubbed me up the wrong way. This film, I didn't really enjoy it at all. And it wasn't, uh, but I will say though, Joaquin Phoenix again. I will say Joaquin Phoenix was amazing. And, you know, if he wasn't in the film, if they casted anybody else, that film, I think everybody would have seen what I see with the film. Yeah. But, you know, I have to judge it as a whole. And, yeah, as a whole, I didn't I didn't enjoy the film. I got to about three quarters of the way of the, through the film, and I can't remember specifically which part of it it was that, where I turned. Because at the moment, because uh, I watched it at the beginning, I thought, oh, this is very good. And then it got about three quarters of the way through and I I just can't remember what it is it might have been the, is the transformation the, is it the violence is it when it turned violent and this, and this isn't spoilers but people who are shocked that the Joker character is a violent murderer they're they're denying or they're deluding themselves because the comic book Joker in all his his comic mayhem is also a murderer <laughs> And yeah, yeah, so that's not nothing. That's nothing new. The violence. Did the violence bother you, or just the fact that you can't fathom that someone could be pushed to this in in a couple of days, or a couple of weeks, or a month? <laughs> that's it for me. Yeah, no, that's it for me. It wasn't so much the violence. I mean, you know, you, you know, just you know, you end up seeing quite. You know, like for myself, I see so many different varieties of films, so. I mean, the most violent film I'll ever see, I hope, will be it, it Should Be Killer. That was the most violent film I'll ever see. So it'll never get to that level. Um, so the violence in it wasn't too bad for me. I was fine with that. But yeah, it, I just found it sort of unbelievable that this sort of, you know, what we consider to be the sort of mild-mannered, you know, loser in a way, um... You know who you know has a mental illness. Who looks after a sick mother? Who wants to be a clown? You know, somehow you know over a period of a few few days and a few weeks, he, he becomes the Joker. And I just thought, you know, no way, like no way. And it was also trying to reference Taxi Driver and um, King of Comedy, yeah. which are two you know far more superior films. I mean, like with Travis Bickle in Taxi Driver. He is a real great character. You know, he does try to assassinate uh, 
a political candidate, but then he also does save a teenage prostitute. So he's a very, like, grey character, and he has a real, you know... Plus, he's very, like, lost and alienated. Um, and I thought that was a much... You know, that, that film was a much better character study than I felt this one was. And... Um, so, uh, so the, Poverty, the movie yeah. makers... The movie makers didn't didn't establish it enough, but you could at least... I suppose you could agree that, you know, art imitating life, uh, these are actual things from our real world. There are Ted Bundys, there are BTK killers, and these these men had normal lives. One had a family. They had normal lives and were actually quite normal and charming guys, but they also killed, you know, tons of of uh, women horribly and, and murdered. Yeah, and that's, a real, that's real yeah. life. So don't you think someone has that in them it only takes an opportunity for them to either choose one side or the other choose the angel on their shoulder or the devil i mean isn't that possible if you already have that inside of you it doesn't take much to push you a little push yeah that yeah that's right yeah that is true yeah you can have yeah you will yeah people like those people you know it was um you know a, just something to pass and that they couldn't ignore anymore um, and that might well have been, you know, and I, again, that wasn't properly conveyed in the film to me that this is something that was always, you know, mm. probably he, on the surface for him. Even though he did so, have, he had a problem, obviously, and again, this is only a general sort of spoiler, but he, he had an obvious problem with uh, reality and what's real and what's not. And you find that out. And I actually, I actually like that part because it did help me understand that. I thought he was he wasn't doing too bad, but then when you look back at the scenes and those parts that he thought were true weren't true, and they were just his warped mind. That's when you you had to feel a little bit bad for him that something's not quite right with him. I mean, you know, you don't well, have to, you don't have yeah. to empathize violence, but you can say, all right, he's he's got problems, <laughs> he's got mental problems. Yeah, definitely. Well, I mean, there's the you know this is happens very early in the film, so it's not massive sto- spoiler for you. But there's a part where um, Arthur and his mother are watching a TV show and it's a, a late 70s, early 80s talk show in America. And he's imagining being in the crowd. And I, and I liked that part a lot because I thought, well, that's what everybody else does. Everybody else you know, fantasizes about being that crowd and being picked out of the crowd and being you know, special. Um. So that part I thought was good, but I just, yeah, unfortunately, it, it didn't. Well, that's and that's that's the whole point of, you know, movies. Whether they're Marvel movies, whether it's a Clockwork Orange, whether it's Lolita, whether it's Top Gun, all of these, yeah. all of these are art, just like a photographer taking pictures or a painting. So my thing is, like, I don't. I, when we love talking about movies, but it'd, it'd be hard for me to be a hardcore movie critic because I'll always at some point want to say, you know what, go screw yourself because it's someone's art. Of course, everyone's allowed to have their opinion, and that's the point. You like Picasso, you hate him. You like the movie, it's all art, it's all film, it's all beautiful. So, you know, it's okay to have an opinion. That's the point. That's the entire point of making that art of film, right? So Yeah, definitely. Now you, in, insane now what do you think about Martin Scorsese saying that the <laughs> Marvel films aren't, yeah. uh, aren't cinema that's the perfect yeah that's the perfect segue that that is the thing isn't it so 
again, we were talking about that saying, is this, is this a legitimate discussion or is this maybe someone who's, who's quite a massive establishing, you know, uh, behemoth in the cinema world. And his two cents worth is that Marvel movies aren't true films. And look again, any, anything put together with actors and, and film and cameras and effects crew and carpenters and audio guys and everyone who worked on that created this and put it into a film. So yes, of course they're all films, but he sees them as a comic book. Well, look, they're based on comic books and comic books are very visual, right? They're very visual with action. But you, you touched on the right thing is that sometimes there's movies and sometimes there's a film, even though they're all, they're all cinema. Sometimes it's a, you sit down, it's in black and white and it's very thought provoking. And then there's a movie, you go see Jurassic Park or Top Gun and they have their own place in your heart and your moment at the time and what you want to see. Some of them's entertainment. I mean, yeah, it depends on your mood. All of it deserves its place. But yeah, they are films is my answer. I'm sorry. That's a bit rude of him. You know, they're still films. They're still art form. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, they are. Yeah, they are. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, and he's—I mean—he's made big films, but he's never made a blockbuster. Maybe that's why. You know? Maybe that's. So maybe that's it. Maybe he's yeah. there. Oh well, look. I don't know, I don't know but um, yeah, no, it's yeah, exactly. You know, you. Yeah, it's it's very unfair to say they're not cinema because they are. I mean, it's. Uh, Look, and also, it's not like they didn't do their homework, especially with those Marvel movies, because a lot of other movies, some of the DC movies, they tried thinking, oh, well, this formula is easy to copy. We'll just put these people in it, put some effects, and we've got it. You know, the Marvel crew put together over many years, sitting there with storyboards and talking it out and and having a story arc and an endpoint. You know what I mean? They knew where it was all headed and it was all connected. They worked, I think, hard to deserve all those billions of dollars and uh, and butts in seats, because they were good movies. They weren't trash. You know what I mean? They were acted with amazing actors, and they do deserve Oscars. They won't get them because the Academy snubs them, <laughs> which mm. they're doing. Yeah, that's right. They're doing that with Joker as well. They're snubbing that Probably. because they're yeah. saying they Probably. don't want to see it. It's vi- It's violent. It's antisocial. That's it's not real film. That's not fair. It's in the movies. It was shown on a projector on a screen. People paid money for it. It's a film. So I don't think that's yeah. fair when the the Academy, whoever they are, all those selected people to watch a movie, they themselves are very selective, which that's not fair. That's not a impartial vote. <laughs> no. no. That's right. Do you have a favorite moment in there or like a favorite scene from... Marvel films, the Marvel MCA. Oh, look, I I think most of them all have something that's a that's a great mm-hmm. moment. Um, mm-hmm. I'll have to say, just recently, you know, with Endgame, um, they ended it they ended it very well with the most respect deserved to the Iron Man character and Robert Downey Jr. You know, and yeah. if it weren't for him and John Favreau to take a chance on this uh, as the first movie. Uh, for the Marvel lineup, you know, it should have been Spider-Man. It should have been someone they knew, but they did Iron Man. Who the hell's Iron Man? I'm not into Iron Man. And that was the movie that kicked it off and and sparked it. 
So it was deservedly so that he ended it with his snap of the finger, I am Iron Man. That was a beautiful moment. So yeah, that was, you couldn't get any better than that. Yeah, I, I really like that that moment as well. And, I re- and this, that scene, the beginning of that scene, so the portal scene, when you, when they all start arriving, you're like, oh, wow. Yeah. And then like every single character he's known over the past 10 years, or plus 10 years, all arrive, and you know, they're all there, and it's... Um, it was amazing, like an amazing scene, and it's you no, know, it took like so long. Exactly what you're saying, really. Yeah, it took so long to just establish the character, give them their own world, you know, build build worlds, you know, build it around them, you know, inter- slowly interconnect the other characters into Absolutely. each character, you know, and then do like four. Well, like, I know, like the last Avengers was split in two, but like the four Avenger movies. You know, so then you've got one Avenger movie, and then that evolves into the next one, the next one, the next one. You know, it's just the planning involved, you know, which is something that, you know, oh, definitely. DC completely missed. You know, they just rushed it. Yeah, no, you can't, you can't rush so they're it. They're taking the time to establish all the characters. That's it. Now, it was good. Look, it was a good 10-year run, and I have to admit, I'm having a bit of withdrawals because I'm... I'm not excited about a lot of movies coming up, and I know our next uh, talk is going to have to be about Star Wars. We'll have to talk about it before it comes out because I I, I don't know how I feel. It's been like six months of of just random plot leaks and people going ape shit and people still getting over the random shit storm that was Jedi, and I, I don't know how to feel. It's just it's so bizarre that such a thing that sits in my my mind as the core of my childhood it's star wars and everything else revolves around star wars it's like that's the that's the sun and all the other movies are the planets and they've they've mucked them up so much recently yeah anyway <laughs> well we'll go on ne- about that next time but i i can't <laughs> I, can't, I don't know where to be see <laughs> it turns me into a babbling idiot i can't i can't fathom what's going to happen it hurts me they're gonna fuck it up. <laughs> They're gonna fuck it up, and it's gonna hurt. And I'm gonna have to just pretend they don't exist. So that's where I am right now. We'll see what we'll see what JJ Abrams does. Hopefully, he'll uh, you know he'll he'll turn it around. But yeah. we'll, um, we'll see. We'll um, see. <clears throat> I mean, I didn't think Last Jedi was that bad. I, I as you know, I quite enjoyed it. So. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so, so yeah, I didn't like Joker, but really liked I know, Last Jedi. I know, I know, I know, I know. Call up when you want an opposing view. Call up Adam. He'll tell you why it was better or why it was bad. No, that's good. That's more fun. If you just agreed with yeah. everything, it'd be no fun. But yeah, the, well, so we'll it, exactly. we'll that's definitely it. have a we'll have a chat about Star Wars next time for sure. And and I thank you for spending the time on your evening having a chat with me. And um, yeah, all right, yeah. we'll do it again very soon. And um, thanks for being on. And I'll uh, I'll let you go about your life. All right. All right. All right. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you. Hope and uh, speak to you soon. All right. Speak to you soon. Bye. All right. See ya. Bye. All right, folks. And that was Adam, superstar. So I hope you enjoy this and. Uh, keep listening and follow and um, we'll make more episodes and uh, hope you like them. All right. I'm not famous, but maybe you are. All right. Catch you later. Bye.